Good morning, church. I hope we had a fantastic week. Today we'll continue on our journey of um, you know what I what I titled as becoming a selfless Christian in marriage, becoming a selfless Christian in marriage, and this is part two. Last week I spent some time helping us to understand the significance of living a selfless. Um, being a selfless Christian in marriages, how it affects the homes, how it affects our children, how wrong choices or wrong decisions in our homes, in our marriage, in our marital life has a ripple effect and affects humanity. So please avail yourself to that message when you get a chance. Um, amen. Praise God. So today I want to go a little bit further in this and I'm trusting God for speed this morning. Uh, this series, I don't want to teach it for six months, so bear with me if I'm a bit fast today. Thank you for technology. You guys can play back this message and you guys can catch up on a lot of stuff. Last week's message, I think I watched it about four times and I watched it, I watched it over again because it really blessed me. Praise the Lord. So let's quickly go through our main Bible text for this service. So let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5.21 And I'm going to read all the way down to 33. It's a long read. Let's get into it. And I'm reading from the NIV version. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Savior. Now, as, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must... If, I'll repeat that, verse 33. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Uh, must respect her husband. One second, guys. I'm trying to switch into Nick and James because I have some highlights there. And the last week when I was when I was taking this, I took us from the from the Nick and James version, and I highlighted verse 31, which reads, "For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This is a great mystery. This is Paul speaking, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And I also called out verse 21 that, you know, this passage started with 
submitting to one another in the fear of God. Right. The Bible talks about the wife submitting to the husband and husband loving his wife just as Christ loved the church. Right. And I tried to establish the fact last week that the husband has a greater role in the marriage in that he has to love the wife, demonstrate unconditional love to, to the wife. But culture and tradition tend to make tend to put the responsibility of a successful marriage on the woman. With all due respect, that thinking is ungodly, is kind is demonic. Amen. I think I'm maturing now because I know the word I would have thrown in there. Right? It's demonic. It's, it's, it's ungodly. It's, it's unchrist-like. Now, to be a husband is to be given an opportunity to demonstrate the love of Christ to your wife. I know it can be very hard because sometimes a woman's mouth can be very sharp. Right? Uh, women wait for me. We'll, we'll have our own conversation at some point. Women, sometimes some women can just nag. Well, also... Let's not go there. Okay, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go there. Right. So let's 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 stay on track. But a question I want to ask some women is this: You've been nagging your husband all this while. What has it changed? Did the Bible not tell you that your by your conduct you can influence your husband to do the right things, to even up onto even getting saved, right? So not pushy, not try to coerce him, not try to pressure him to do things. Amen. But that's a conversation for another day. I'm trying to help men understand something here. We have a greater responsibility in our marriage to love our wives unconditionally, love our wives as we love ourselves. So we don't demand or command, we don't demand or enforce respect. We earn respect by loving the woman just the way Christ loved the church. And I want to say that the degree to which you understand the love of Christ of the church will determine how much you can love your wife or how well you can love your wife. Thank God that Apostle Paul in these verses of the scripture made it so clear that the husband should love his wife like Christ loved the church. So the reference point of this, these verses is Christ. Jesus is the reference point, not the world. Now, the Bible does not command us to love our wives the way the world expects us to love our wives. Amen. So having said that, I think I want to play a video and then let's get into this. So if my technical director can help us get a play video and then that would get us uh, to this last video on the thing, I will get us in on in this on this journey. So watch this. Yes. Praise God. Awesome. Now, I played that video to help you think about your expectations in marriage when you got married. What was your expectation? I've laid the foundation. Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Right? That's kind of spiritual. And it seems like a milestone that is, that is kind of unattainable. You know, it's, it's, it's miles away. We are human beings, in it? I understand that, I understand that. Well, let's get into it. So that's a spiritual 
So it's a goal to some people that seem unattainable, but something we can work towards. Hopefully, I believe so by faith, because if, if it's written in the Bible, it means we can achieve it to some extent, right? Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Praise the Lord, right? So that's a kind of a long-term goal, a great milestone to achieve, to love your wife just the way Christ loved the church. Okay, that's fine. Okay, so we are human beings. So let's bring it to the, to the human level, right? And let's, let's also ensure that we make Christ the focal point or the reference point Right, our navigation in our in, in our journey of, of building a successful and healthy marriage. Fantastic. So, what was your expectation like before you got married? So, as you're thinking about that, let's go back to Philippians chapter two, uh, uh, verse three. Let's go back to Philippians chapter two, verse three. So, uh, Philippians chapter two is our main text for this series. This series is becoming a selfless Christian, but here, right now, we are stopping at um, marriage. After marriage, we go back, we go to parenting, and then we go back to the church and we shut down on this series. Praise the Lord. So Philippians chapter 2, starting from verse 3, says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, this is the New King James, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let's stop there. Let's take three to four again. Two to four again. Uh, no, three. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. So in case you were looking at Paul's message to husband and wife, in case you're looking at that to be uh, maybe biased or extreme, how attainable, okay, let's bring it down to no more Christian level. No more Christian. Let me point something out to you here. See, the, the, more, the better quality of your Christian life, the better quality your marriage will be. See, how sound and mature you are in your individual, personal Christian life would determine how successful your marriage will be. Most of the time, people tend to separate marriages, marriage from your Christian life. So people are, some people, they are great Christians in the church, serving, serving the local church, praying the Holy Ghost, doing all kind of stuff, but in, at home, they are horrible. So if we follow... The basic instruction of Christ, of, 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 for, of, um, of the Bible to all Christians, if we follow it, it will automatically affect our marriages. Because verse 3 there says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Verse 4, let each one of you look out not only for his own interest. Nothing done out of selfish ambition. Don't look out only for your own interest. So if the goal and the milestone of loving your wife just the way Christ loved the church and respecting your husband and everything according to Christ in Christ Jesus, please pay careful attention to that part in Christ Jesus. You're right. So if your wife, sorry, if your husband wants you guys to go dupe some people, do some dodgy things, you have every right to say, I am not going with you. Friends, your husband is not does not have control over your life. He does not own your life. 
Oh, let's get into this. I'm getting excited now by the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Your spouse does not own your life. The man does not own the wife. The wife does not own the husband. Regardless of what culture has taught you. Right. So, husband, pay careful attention. In Christ Jesus, your wife is not your possession. You don't own her. You may have paid bride price, whatever you did, right? But you don't own her. She belongs to Christ. Right? She's a, she's a kind of joint heir with you in that marriage. She, she's, she's your partner. She's your, I mean, she's your partner. She's, she's your co-laborer, co-worker, working together onto a goal of Christ. A goal that Christ has set for you guys. And I'm speaking about Christian marriages. So if the milestone of loving your wife or the goal of loving your wife just as Christ loved the church and you respecting your husband in Christ Jesus, if that one seems far-fetched, too far-fetched, right? Let's take it to the no more Christian level. The Bible says, let nothing be done out of selfish ambition. Let no one, no one should not seek, should seek his own interest, only his own interest. So that is fundamental level. That is basic level as a Christian. Friends, you cannot separate your marriage from your Christian life. There's no such thing. So, if you are a horrible spouse, but a good Christian, you're not a good Christian. Mm. Let's, let's, rewind. let's rewind. If you're a horrible spouse, but a good Christian in the eyes of your church members, your pastor, you're a horrible Christian. Right? Because your relationship with your spouse, your children, and everyone around you is, an, <laughs> is the evidence of the quality of your Christian life. Many times, people, people esteem or evaluate their Christian life based on their own perception and people's perception of themselves. You know, when I say people's perception of you, outsiders, people who don't really know your character. Amen. So your home is going to review and test the quality of your Christian life. Amen. So we've looked at two scriptures. We looked at Ephesians chapter 5, which is specific to marriages. And we looked at Philippians chapter 2, which is, which is, um, which is a message for the local body. But we're looking at marriage. So last week, I tend to define marriage to us. You know, please avail yourself to that um, message from last week. And I said, for Christians, the union of a man and a woman to fulfill God's plan and purpose for humanity. Praise the Lord. And I kind of help us understand that God wants to produce a kind of synergistic effect in our marriages through us. He wants to do great things through us. And it has to be both of us, uh, both parties in the marriage, the man and the woman, male and female, Right. Um, in marriage, matrimony, you know, submitting themselves unto Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Right. So uh, today, I want to look at the selfish attitudes that destroy homes. The selfish attitudes of believers that destroy marriages. And I'm calling these things out because many Christians honestly do not know these things are selfish behaviors. And they, many, many of them don't even understand or cannot even see that this thing is destroying their marriages. And so marriages that are dysfunctional today, many people do not realize that the dysfunctionality of the marriage is, 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 is due to their selfish attitudes. That's why God ordained some people like me as pastors to help you see what you are doing, to help you interpret your actions. And when, the more I understand my calling in the local church, it just, it's exciting when you have a, 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 such a great privilege to help people grow mature 
Amen. And since I began to really understand the scope of my work as a pastor, you know, my confidence soared. That, you know, I don't chase people. I don't beg people to impact them, to help them, you know, because it's an opportunity for me. And if I'm laboring on people and people cannot see that, you know, what the labor of this guy is changing me and they're not, I don't know what I'm saying here, but I'm, I'm going to finish it as it comes out of my mouth. I guess if they cannot say, you know, this guy's really helping me, my life is changing and be committed equally, I, would, I have an obligation not to give a rip and to go chase the ones that are desperately looking for someone who will label on them in the word and in the word and prayer. Amen. I think, there's a, I think that's a word for someone there. Praise the Lord. Right, so those selfish attitudes that destroy our own. So this is not to point fingers, guys. This is not to condemn anyone, right? You know, many of this, many of these things, I've, I've done them in the past and it was very, very stupid of me, but I didn't know better. I understand that when I'm communicating sometimes, I come, a, I come across strong. And it's very good for you guys because when you remember how strong I, ca I came across in a message, when I call something stupid and you are tempted to do it and you hear Pastor Tunde say that thing is stupid. When you see it, you say, and you, the next thing you see, you see Pastor Tunde's image on the side and you hear stupid, you say, you know, I'm not a stupid person, I'm not doing it. Amen. So in case you come around me and I call something stupid, I'm not insulting the people. I'm saying that thing, that thing people are doing is dumb. Do you know why someone like me have to call those things stupid? I have to call them stupid because the world is glamorizing them and making them say it's okay, you can do them. And because most of us, we plunk our mind, we spend a lot of time and hours on, 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 digi on our digital devices that have been programmed to sell to us the opinion of people mostly who are ungodly. So the church, as Apostle Paul say, is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. You see why I don't beg people to come to TCC? I only invite and encourage people. Because I know this is where people's life will be changed and transformed. See, Sunday afternoon to Saturday evening, except you intentionally go on my on our church website, watch my videos, and there's that of my fathers and a few men of God, and women of God who is correct. Except you intentionally go there, and for you, for many of them, you can you are not a, you are not a member of their church family, so you can't be there. You might be watching things on social media and be giving and give yourself some false sense of identification you develop identify to this when <laughs> when there's casual when there's issues in your marriage and things like that what's step up for you is it those men so if you don't if you're not a part of a local church and you say i can do things on my own in my heart i can worship that's another thing that i learned about young people recently i i can i can do worship on my own i'm okay about myself at home the devil will eat you for lunch it's only a matter of time because god did not designed us to operate in isolation. He said we should not forsake the, 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 the coming together of one another. He even said that we should encourage one another daily so that none of us will um, some, none of us, okay, I'm trying to paraphrase it, but let me, let me make it simple. Now, the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin, the deceitfulness of sin. And he said so that none of us will be our so none of us hearts will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we should encourage one another daily, edify one another daily. But you guys know that you and I can't be together, even the local church. We can't be together and edify one another daily because of our because of our life commitment. Amen. So you have a local church that you hear the truth and you are 
you are messing about. The Lord will help you. Or you don't have a local church and you're not prayerfully praying to find a place to be part of. Even if it is online, that hence we have Zoom here. I don't do, we don't do, uh, you watch on YouTube and you're going, while well, you're making playing around, doing all, and Pastor Sunday is talking on the thing. Ah. <laughs> Friends, this is not to scare you guys. We're in dangerous times where deception is the order of the day. And even the very elect are being deceived because as they constantly engage their mind with these lies on their digital devices and platform and the workplace, Christianity and the love work and the, and, and, and the Christian life is becoming less real to people. A lot of people are doubting their salvation. Do you know why they are doubting? They are doubting Christianity, doubting a lot of things, things that has worked in their life, healed them. Do you know why they are doubting? Because their brains has, have been program with junk with messages information videos that are anti-christ that's not part of my message but something that came out from my spirit very strongly and i have to deliver it praise god so let's get back on track to where we we're going you guys are aware now that in Transformers Church, as you come in, depending on what you've been doing during the week and what you are thinking, the Holy Spirit will expose things to me and I will have to deal with it this is why you come to church if you don't come to church God will move on to the next person who needs a word. That's why Sunday service is not something you can compare with other meetings. Praise the Lord. Let's carry on. So I was talking about the selfish attitudes that destroy homes. So attitude number one, control. Control. So control is, ex is to exercise restraining or direct or is to exercise restraining or directing influence over somebody else. And when I say control, we're talking about when I say restrain there, I mean you know trying to build limits around people. Friends, this is not your child, this is marriage. We're talking about your spouse. I made a statement earlier on to husband: your wife is not your property, your wife is not a possession. Young men, listen to me carefully. There is a, there's, a, there's a thinking, there's an ungodly and wicked thinking that makes young men think having, a, having many girls, attractive girls come around you is a thing of esteem. Is it something that, that, has to, that boosts your esteem, that has to your esteem, has to your value? So you hear things like, he has all of the fine girls. What's he doing with all of the fine girls? And... We've been programmed, the media has programmed our brain to envy one another based on our attractiveness to girls or how, how many attractive girls are, are, are attracted to us. When I was in secondary school too, this is funny guys, this time. When I was in secondary school too, you know, guys would come and DM me to talk to a particular girl. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't give a rip. And I go talk to these girls. And these girls give me attention, you know. It got to a point that there's no girl in, uh, in school that I could not talk to. But there's some thinking in my brain. <laughs> I see myself to carry so much of what I'm value and I'm handsome and wait, I'm going to talk to you. You're going to have a chat. Amen. And I think I had to instances. Let me not go into some details because you guys would ask me, uh, was, I, was, was, I, was I born again at that time? I wasn't anyway. That's why. Right. But there was this, some, there was this envy. Even when I, when I became born again and I started attending the church, I've always had, it, 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 I don't know what, what, why this is, but it seems like women are more responsive to the things of the Christ and of the faith than the men. I don't know why. Men, I have, I'm, God is building me 
developed me to run a ministry dedicated to men, right? A, a lot of things are going on behind the scenes. Uh, and God is preparing me for my men's ministry. And I mean, I can't just wait to, to start out, but I'm working with the Lord on this one. Right. So when I joined this church and I was serving and I was leading a team, most of the guys on my team were girls, right? Was were ladies and pretty ladies. And so another church, one of the, a reputable church, a big church was was having a, a singles meeting. And some guys met in that church and my name came up. So a guy from my church went to another church and was talking to the guys in that church to say, you know what? Like he, he, he's, he's believing God for a girl. He wants to have a girlfriend. He wants to settle and stuff like that. And members of the other church said to him, go back to your church. There's a guy called Tunde there. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, Lord. There's a guy called Tunde there. And he, he seems to have access to the fine girls in the church. I'm like, are you guys kidding? So this guy came to meet me. I said, can you tell me? Who was on that meeting? I want to know the person, but they didn't give me details. right? But yes, I had access to the pretty girls in the church, but I didn't see them as a possession. They didn't add to my sense of confidence that I have access to women. Young guys, are you getting me? We need to change how we think. And many of us still have this thinking, even in our marriages, and one of the reasons why many of us as men, we are walking on the boundary of adultery. Because you still want to feel that, you still want to have that feeling, you know, you know, you have some fine girls, some women, some things around you. It's going to destroy you. Amen. So I'm talking about control, but that's just a, a bonus for somebody else there and to also speak to the young, younger men. Amen. And also, if men are struggling, if some men are struggling with this, wanting to experience this thing, it's, it's, it's natural to many men, but it's ungodly. I need to call it out. Praise God. So control. So you're trying to restrain people. You're trying to limit people. You don't want them to really break out. You don't want them to really succeed. It is evil, right? And one of the ways we, we the, the different forms of control in marriages is being possessive, right? When you, so when you rely way too much on another person and expect them to make you feel loved and important. So you, you, you control people. You want them to make you feel happy. You want them to make you feel loved. Friends, this is demonic. Because this attitude goes into the next selfish attitude we're going to be looking at, which is uh, manipulation. So possessive people, they are self-centered, self-focused because they want someone, some, someone or they want to use the other party to, to feel their feelings. You know, to fulfill their feelings, to satisfy their emotions. To the detriment of the other person. So in most cases, when the other person is going through crisis in their life, they have some challenges. This possessive person cannot see the problems in the life of the other person, but they just want to use them to fulfill, to feel their desires. It's about me, what I can get. You know, you're not making me feel happy in this marriage. You're not making me feel. You're not making me feel. Marriage is about we, not me. Do I use me sometimes in marriage? Amen. One of the things that my kids and I have times when I use them much, I'm like, we. I'm like, yeah, I know it's we. In my mind thinking, I know it's we, boy. This one, I just feel like using me to make me feel good, right? So, so which means your pastor too has some selfish attitude, right? They deal with, right? Fantastic. So don't think it's perfect. Amen. And some things I sometimes I'd like to use the word you to make him feel selfish. I'm doing something for my wife. But it's like, no, what do you what, what do you mean you? I'm thinking, 
Can I can I just be feel good for, for a second that I'm doing something for my wife? But to her, that's not oh my goodness. You guys know what I've been through in this marriage. Oh Lord. <laughs> hey man, let me I need to run through this very quickly because I might not be able to go past go into manipulation half about 15 minutes to go. Praise God. Right. So a possessive person is someone. Okay, uh, let me read it out as I have it in my notes. Someone who is possessive, who is possessive in his or her feelings and behavior towards or about another person wants to have all of that person, all of that person's love and attention, and will not share it with anyone else. Ah! Where is this coming from? Friends, it shows that there's a problem in our lives if we have this kind of thinking. And if our spouses are not, if our spouses are not meeting up, and are not meeting our expectations, you know, many of us becomes hostile, wicked, brutal, and we cannot say that we are mean, ungodly, unkind because we are selfish. You know the reason why I play that videos to you, to you guys. I play that video so that you can think about your expectations in marriage. Comparing what you saw on, on that video clips to how you run your marriage, how are things going for you? So let's go back a little bit. We're still on processing, right? Lord Jesus, help me. So you believe that when you get married, your husband would, woman, your husband would bring breakfast to you in bed. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Some will say, Pastor, is that because you don't do it for your wife? That's why you want to discourage other men from doing it. If you're a single lady and you're thinking that, get married and you see what life really looks like. I Can I be very honest with you? It is a jobless man who always brings breakfast to you in bed. And I mean it. It's a jobless man who always brings breakfast to you in bed. Do you know what it means to be a husband? <laughs> do you know what it means to be a husband? Do you know one of the things that gets me tired? One of the things that really that gets me tired is because of my thinking and planning of how I want to, how far I want to take my family. Do you know how, how many books I read on a weekly basis, blog articles, things that I read, think besides my job, to transition my family, myself and Jolomi, out of our nine to five jobs so that we can be financially free. I pastor a church. My pastoring is not for people to come to church and just attend church. But I'm talking about building people. I, I, I invest time and efforts in people, not to the detriment of my home. Do you know how many things I think about for my wife? Safety, protection, things like that. Even many times, I am so busy studying thinking that I don't even have time to eat. Or I get so hungry before I eat. If you come into my life, and I'm not saying I'm even the best of a husband. I'm, I'm, I'm only even just starting this journey, to be honest with you. Even though I've been on it for a number of years now. Do you know what it means? And Jolomi comes to me sometimes and says something to me. And Jolomi can only see it this high. But as he's telling me, the Holy Spirit is showing me to say, to say it's this high. Then I go and work on it. You know, well, I was I, I tried to get attention recently. I said um, I, I use I use a particular word, but it wasn't very, not the best one. But just because I was trying to get attention, because my wife is very straight. She's, she's quite English, right? She just straight. You did this, and that's it. I'm like, ha 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 ha. 
what about this person? What about this? What was I'm like, only I can say, how do you even think about all of those things? So with all of those things in my life, so every day I wake up very early. When I'm still trying to catch up on my devotion, praying the Holy Ghost for God to show me certain things about our home kind of stuff. Friends, we don't have problems in our mind like many people do. And it's not automatic. It's because someone is spiritually sensitive and minded and is able to call things out before things happen. Now, she was in the kitchen last week and she caught herself. And just before she caught herself, before she did this, I knew my spirit that she was going to come. And I was like, I saw this thing in my spirit, but I was just not quick enough to tell her, don't do it. So with all of that going on in my life then, so every morning I wake up in the morning, I come and bring breakfast to her in bed. I'm jobless. Is it a nice thing to do? Yes. Will I do it occasionally? Yes. Should it be something I do every day? No. How does that make you feel? Let's carry on. So we're still on that video. Your expectations, right? So you expect the man to always take out the trash. This is a landmine. Okay, I'm going to come to responsibilities at some point. I think I'm going to play that video again next week and then I'll go into responsibilities. I just want to touch on a few things because I've spent a lot of time on certain things. Also because I played the video, I want you guys to be able to connect the artifacts that I use uh, in, my, in my sermon and say, okay, why did they play the video? I'm telling the reason why I played the video. So when you watch this message again, go back through those, those videos and ask yourself, what were your expectations in marriage? The ones that were not met. How have you reacted towards your spouse because those expectations were not met? And who actually set those expectations for you? Who told you that that's how marriage should be run? Who told you, your mother or your father? Man, let me, let me shock you with something. It wasn't very nice when I heard it. You know, in our culture, some people believe that, um, in our culture, you know, my, in Nigeria, Jesus, help me. I'm about to give you some mothers here. <laughs> it's not intentional. I don't mean am. Um. You know, a guy, a single guy is not really looking after himself. He's not looking after his health. He's not feeding well. And the mother or the aunt looks at him one day and says, you know what? You need a woman in your life. I don't understand. So, because he's not looking nourished, he's not looking healthy, he then needs a woman in his life. What are you saying? He needs a chef in his, li chef in his life. So when he marries, what is the expectation of the wife? To cook. And you wonder how or why he's not seeing much value in a woman other than the woman to cook. And you wonder why when he comes back home from one day and the food is not ready, he's hostile, he's going through the roof, he's, he's punching the walls. What set expectations for you, young man, about marriage? Your mother or your auntie? Praise God. <clears throat> so those expectations we have in marriage, the ones we have, play that video and watch it again, and there may be more, right? The ones your spouse are not meeting, what have you become in your response? Controlling, possessive, or manipulative, right? Or domineering. So when people don't get what they want to get in marriage, they, want to do, they tend to dominate the other person. So they assert their will over the other person in an arrogant way. So to be domineering means to assert your will over another person's will in an arrogant way. You want to literally force them. You must do this. I repeat, men, your wife is not your property. She's not your possession. Except you are not a Christian. Jesus did not lay hold of... She, Jesus did not lay claim 
on, on his disciples or the church as his possession in a negative sense, controlling us to do what he wants to do. What I'm doing here, I'm trying to help you to connect what I'm saying here to what the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5 about Christ and the church. Jesus is not controlling you. So why do you want to control your spouse? Jesus is not forcing you to do things. So why do you want to force your spouse to do things? Jesus does not lord things over you. He does not force things over you. So why are you trying to force things over your spouse? We are getting back into that day and age, and I thank you for the privilege, whereby we teach people, we teach you guys, we teach, I teach people, and some of my colleagues who said it's correct, we teach people to see, to see reality, to see things from the Christ perspective, regardless of how we feel or what we see in the media. Amen. We are living in such a dangerous times that, such dangerous times that, Reality is fast eluding us. We're not seeing reality. I mean, at some point, I caught myself seeing some things from, a, from, an illusion, from, from an illusion side of things, not from reality. I'm like, this is not right. This is not real. And the reason why in my, in my YouTube videos, you know, I don't use artificial things as backdrop. And it's it's, I mean, I spent quite a whole day on one and a half this repenting my, my multi-purpose room, YouTube studio, study place, work, uh, you know. Because I said, okay, what little difference can I make when I contribute here? There's so much illusion, green screen effect. I removed our green screen back. <laughs> I took it off. I said, you know what? How can I help people to even see something a little bit real? So when you come to my space, you, what you see is everything is real. Because with the movies and everything we watch and, and unrestrained access to digital content, many of us are now living in a land of illusion. We don't know, we can't really differentiate what is real from what is not real. So people like me as pastors and my other colleagues, like I said, the ones that are here that are correct, we have to start calling out what is real and what is not real. Boys, a woman, a girl is not an object. She's not a sex object. Sex object. No, she's a person. I'm still studying and meditating on this, and I want to teach this probably in a series. A, a, a girl, an attractive girl is not an object. She's not something because media has trained our mind to look at a body, right? To gloss over her body, to, to, to look down the body, to look at thighs, to look at boobs, you know, to... We, we don't see a person, we see a body. And we want, you wonder why men are not respecting women, but they want to touch, they want to do this because they can't see a person. Because when women are being advertised on the media to people, you know, others, whatever, whatever forms, even in movies, it's like, it's about the body, it's about the look. And unfortunately, many young girls today too are trying to fit into that mode to be attractive to men and just kind of a, a destructive cycle on the mind, relationship of our young people and even marriages. And some people cannot even differentiate their friend from their spouse what they see is a body. And they are, they, are, they are pushing boundaries, asking how far can I go? Then adultery, fornication is increasing in the church because reality is fast eluding us. Amen. So another way people tend to control in marriages is through intimidation intimidation 
So this is when you frighten someone, especially in order to make them do what you want. Those responsibilities you saw on, those, on that video, the ones that this, your spouse have not met in terms of your expectations, what have you resorted to? Or how have you resorted into control? Amen. To frighten, especially to, in order to make that person do what you want them to do. Praise God. My time is fast spent. I didn't see us coming. I, I was thinking today will be the day, the day, the, uh, <laughs> the day of the Lord, and I'll and I'll complete this teaching. But it seems like this, as I even pick things in my spirit, the word of knowledge that came in in between uh, my teaching, it feels like there's a lot going on in homes and marriages that God wants to deal with, so that we can experience happy home. Many of us want to experience a happy home, but we are not seeing happiness in our marriages. But in that, we are not seeing what we are not doing right. That has opened the door for hate to steal the joy and the happiness in our homes. Friends, two weeks ago, I played a video to you guys of some kids that are selfish. And we all agree that children are born selfish. But many of us have not been trained to grow and to be selfless, to become selfless people in our Christian work, which will ultimately affect our homes and marriages, though marriage also have more responsibility than your responsibility to the church, but we tend to see it from the opposite direction. So this is not to depress anyone or make you feel bad, but it's, it's to allow us to begin to search ourselves, ask ourselves question, why am I unfulfilled in my marriage? And I'm not saying you might be the reason for the problems. The other party might be seriously selfish. And that is why it, this message is not for one party. Most of the time, it should be for the parties, the two parties in the marriage to sit down and ask themselves questions. Where am I being selfish? Where, where am I being possessive? Where am I trying to use my husband or use my wife? Where am I being domineering? Where am I trying to coerce my spouse to do what I want them to do? Friend, and ask yourself the question, will Jesus do this? Is Jesus doing this to me? This is where we begin to really test the quality of our Christian life. And how we will believe in Christ Jesus, trust in him. God wants us to have, to have happy homes, joyful homes. He wants us to raise kids in homes that experience the joy of God, the love of God. And we are the one who have to create it. But even when party is so self-focused, self-obsessed, selfish, is about me, is what I want, me, me, I, me. And don't realize that marriage is a calling to responsibility. The Christian work is a call to responsibility. But marriage then adds to your, to your responsibility. Is a calling to responsibility. Is a calling to give. Is a calling to serve. Not the woman serving the man or the man serving the woman exclusively, but both parties serving one another. Praise God. Next week, next week I'll go into manipulation. We're going to touch about things like gaslighting. <laughs> Some people are laughing. Means dismissive criticism. You know, blame shifting, isolation, lying, withholding information. Causing confusion and doubt. Aha. Some of you are saying are hearing stuff. So I did my research, my study, and observe, observation on about things that are destroying homes. I see these things in homes and in Christian homes and marriages. And the spouses and the spouses' eyes can, are not just open to see that this is ruining their lives, ruining their home. Because they don't think what they are doing is wrong. 
the church being the foundation and the pillar of the truth, and Pastor Tunde being the founder and senior pastor of the Transformers Church, which is a branch and division of the body of Christ, which is the pillar and the foundation of the truth, is calling these things out to you guys. This is evil. We, were, we didn't know better. So many of us are doing it. So God is calling us to repentance. Guys, we got to change. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus for your word that's come to us today and the word of knowledge, the instructions that you brought to us this morning. And Lord, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that these words will stir our hearts and, and stir us to do good work. In the name of Jesus, do good things. Live righteously in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for our marriages. Lord, we pray that as we go through this series, that homes and lives will be, will be, will be healed. People's eyes of understanding will be an Eyes of understanding will be enlightened and people will, will be prompted in their hearts to make adjustments and walk in the path of righteousness. Serving one another as opposed to demanding service from the other party. And that our children may experience the love of God in our homes and thrive and become godly children in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.